Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Mark 8, 27 through 38. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Mark in your Bible. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked, he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Thank you, Sam. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Well, one of the, I think one of the questions that abounds this time of year, well, actually, not this time of year, but... Uh, today in general in our culture is questions of like identity and I'm not going to get into whole what all that could be but uh, I think in our culture there is a constant question that 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 we might ask ourselves like who are we uh, who who am I in the the very core of my my person what defines me uh, in thinking about this uh, the questions kind of of identity and who I am I was thinking back to um to middle school, and I've I've had a lot of opportunity to kind of live in the middle school world. I have a middle schooler myself. Uh, I spent uh, ten years of ministry uh, with middle and high schoolers, and one of the things I, I loved about middle schoolers is the fact that they're 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 not who they are just yet. Uh, they're trying to figure out in their world who they are and and uh, what their role is, what kind of person they're going to be in the midst of their family and in the midst of their friends. And, and so I, I, thinking back to, on my, my life, I was like, I struggled with figuring out who I was. And I know that may be a surprise to you that I was not the coolest kid in my school. Um, I wasn't even close, Jesse, just not even. I, I know it's hard to imagine based on this. Um, but like I struggled, like I, I had different friend groups and, and they dressed different ways. And so I tried with the meager clothes budget that our family had to, to fit in with that crowd. And it just never, ever worked. 
Um, I, I tried, you know, talking like they talked or listening to the same kind of music that they listened to. And there were just certain things I could never, ever, ever get into just on principle, um, just because I didn't like it. And uh, I struggled and struggled and struggled to find out like, who I was and, and who God was calling me to be. And, and thankfully, though, I figured that out uh, somewhere along my, my 10th grade year. Uh, but these are the questions that I think we, we struggle with, we face, not just in middle school, but, but forever. And, and I'm going to show you a picture just to kind of illustrate this. And I need you to promise not to laugh. Can you do that? Promise not to laugh. Okay. You didn't laugh. That's it. Do you know who this is? That's me. I know, right? Proof that I had hair. Really thick, nice hair. I will challenge any woman who had bangs during that era or like in the 80s that I had more hairspray probably in that comb right there than... than than my sister would have had uh, years before. And, and that shirt, you cannot tell, but it is silk. Yes. Yes, it is silk. I was trying to figure out who I was. Like, uh, who, who am I? And it's, I don't know, that's, that's, that's silly, and uh, we'll, we'll skip it, and uh, we'll go on from there. But I think, we think, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Throughout the history of humanity, though, like we approach that question as an individual, right? Uh, as an individual that's kind of autonomous by ourselves, we make our own person. And, and actually, throughout the course of history, that wasn't the case. Like who you were as an identity, what your identity was, was given to you. Uh, your home, your culture, your religion, where you lived, all of those things kind of were put upon you and shaped you as an individual. And your, your identity was wrapped up with all of those, all of those things. Uh, in, in essence, you looked around at the people who surrounded you and you said, I see who these people are and what they do. Uh, let's say if you go way back, we're like hunter gatherers or we're farmers or, you know, we're herdsmen, we were nomadic and, and, we worship this particular God. And, and so, like, who the people were around us shaped who we were, we were going to be, to becoming to be. Um, well, this, this passage is, is kind of uh, about this, and you see this, this question right here. Um, we're kind of at the halfway point of Mark's gospel. And right around this time, Mark's going to pivot towards, uh, towards the, the crucifixion and the Easter story. Um, in fact, uh, well, a lot of people, a lot of scholars think that Gospels, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are just stories about the, the cross and resurrection with, with extended introductions. So everything up to this point has been kind of an introduction, and we're, we're going to make our way towards, uh, towards the cross. And, and he's, he's gathered with his disciples, though, and he asks them, he says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And they're a good, good bunch of uh, people. They've been paying attention to what Jesus has been doing, who, what he's been saying. And they're like, well, some people think that you are John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Because if you remember, John the Baptist lost his head. And so he's John the Baptist. Some people think that he was Elijah, uh, one of Israel's greatest and most powerful prophets. And, and some people thought he was maybe some other prophets uh, in Israel's history. Uh, and those are, I guess, good good guesses in, in terms of Israel's history and, and what they were expecting uh, for uh, Jesus to be. But then he gets down to it and he says, 
he says, uh, but who do you, oh, well, okay, I skipped it there for a second. Um, he says, but who do you say that I am? Jesus wants to know, at the very core, be like, okay, you have been with me for a while now, a couple years. You've seen me do all things. Who do you say I am? And this is Peter's answer. You are the Messiah. Now, Messiah in Hebrew just means anointed one. Uh, It gets translated in the Greek as Christ, uh, the anointed one. Uh, The Messiah was this person that Israel was hoping for, that, that God's spirit would be with that God would use to bring about salvation for, for God's people. Uh, and, and so Peter's absolutely correct. He's saying, yes, you are the Messiah. You are the one we have been waiting for for forever. You are the one that I, I believe you are going to be the one that comes and brings about salvation for, for all of God's people. Uh, and Jesus has a very interesting reaction to this. He tells them not to tell anybody. He's like, okay, you're right, but don't tell anybody. And I like make me wonder why why Jesus would say that. And I think the best answer that I can come up with is that Jesus understood that even though Peter and the disciples knew who he was, they knew he was going to bring about salvation for God's people in some kind of way. They really didn't get it just yet. And so. Uh, if you if you put yourself in that shoes, if you had a secret and you knew that your friend misunderstood what your secret was or, or that you were going to do something that they misunderstood what you were going to do and that they would, they would tell somebody about it and they would just get it all wrong and spread a whole bunch of misinformation, uh, uh, then you would, you would want them not to say it, right? Like, okay, just, just keep that because people aren't going to understand just yet what's happening. Well, I think that's what's happening with... Uh, with, uh, with Peter and with the disciples. Well, the story goes on, and, and, and we don't have a whole lot of uh, meat on this in terms of like what Jesus is doing. Uh, he, he gathers together a whole bunch of other people, and actually before that, he begins to teach them some more. I, I think he's wanting to help them understand who he is in truth, in reality. And it says, if, if you've got your Bibles, I don't have it up on the screen. He said, then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and three days rise again. He said this all quite openly. Now, I've said this before. Israel's understanding of what a Messiah was to be was different than Jesus, what Jesus came to do. Uh, Israel understood uh, the Messiah to be like, well, they to be like Moses and, and to bring about liberation from slavery or to be like Samson who went out and, you know, kicked the, the Philistines' rear end and, and brought about liberation for Israel or any of the other judges. Uh, there was this tradition that, that the Messiah was going to come and bring about liberation and freedom for Israel. And at the time, Israel was, well, the Romans were, well, they were, they were ruling. And so the, they were hoping that the Messiah would come and kick the Romans out. And it's really hard to do that if you're dead. Like for, for Jesus' part. He's saying, hey, hey, look, I am, I am the Messiah. You've said it. I've said it. My role here is not to take up arms and kick the Romans out. My role is to undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and all of those who, who mattered in any kind of way. Now, if you were Peter at this particular point, uh, 
and the disciples, you would have heard this and you would have been disappointed, maybe angry, maybe incensed, like how, how dare you? And I love Peter's reaction. Uh, second part of verse 32. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? Like Jesus is over here, he's teaching everybody, and Peter grabs his arm and like yanks him away from the group and says, oh no, no. That's not, you know, that's not what we signed up for. This isn't how it's supposed to be. You, you know, you've read, you've read the scriptures. You know what we're hoping for. You're one of us. Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan, for you set in your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Uh, Peter, even though Jesus is continuing to try to to proclaim who he is and what he's actually coming to do, Peter still doesn't get it. Well, the the narrative goes on a little bit, and uh, he, he enlarges the group that he's teaching to, calls the crowd together, And he fills some of this out just a little bit more. Verse 34. If any of you want to become my followers, I think this is a direct response to to what Peter said. Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. There, There it is. I mean, Jesus saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm going to suffer and die for, for the salvation of Israel, and you guys don't know it yet, but the entire world. And if, if you want to be my followers, if, if you want your identity to be wrapped up with me, then you've got to do the same thing. Now this phrase, uh, take up your cross and follow me, I, I don't know if the, the disciples kind of understand what that is just yet. Because obviously Jesus hasn't been crucified, and, and well, but the, the readers of Mark does. Now, have you ever heard somebody say something like this? Well, that's just my cross to bear. Like, uh, I don't know, like they have a, a tough coworker, or um, a spoiled rotten child or a spoiled rotten pet or it's, I don't know. You've heard people, people say that kind of thing, right? And, but I don't think Jesus is understanding us to, want us to understand like this phrase in that way. He's not saying that, that your cross to bear is just some generic form of suffering. Jesus is saying, because he wants our identity to be wrapped up in his identity, that your cross that you bear, that you pick up and follow Christ, is one that's suffering that is enacted for the sake of someone else. Uh, I've got a quote. I think that that helps... um, that, that helps bring this out. The cross of Jesus invites his hearers to take up, uh, refers not to the burdens of life imposed from without, but rather to painful, redemptive action voluntarily taken, undertaken for others. Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Messiah. Jesus says, okay, well, the Messiah is going to suffer and die. And you are called to do the same thing. Now, let me just be really, really honest with you. Like, this is not warm, fuzzy Christianity. Like, because this is hard. 
But these, these are the words of Christ to us. They are not my words. I would love if Jesus would have said, take up your cross and come and eat I, I, banana splits on Sundays all, all the time, right? There would be peaches and cream and sunny days at the beach or lots and lots of money. But the cross that Christ takes up is very literally a painful, redemptive action voluntarily undertaken for others. And you and I are the others for which that action was undertaken. See, the, the, the whole thrust of Christianity, the, the whole trajectory, it's not suffering for suffering's sake. That's not what Christ is calling us to. But he's calling us to, to participate in what he's doing to bring about salvation in the world. And sometimes that requires our own little bit of suffering. Now, now, I, think, um, uh, now I think that we're, in America we're really blessed. We've got it really, really good. And the suffering that you might do for Jesus Christ is probably pretty small. Uh, just in comparison to what Christians have suffered throughout the ages, what Christians suffer in, in other places around the world. Uh, so don't, don't, don't read this and think that, like, okay, you got to go and actually die for somebody right now. I mean, like, m- maybe if the situation arises, I don't know. But this is, this is the life that Christ has called us to. And And the kicker comes in verse 36. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and to forfeit their life? If you you want to follow the Messiah, uh, you have to do it in a specific kind of way, a way that's that's sacrificially or for the sake of the others, for others. And you can't do that if you are always, if you're always trying to save your own life. If you're always trying to reach for the thing that will bring you ultimate fulfillment. If you're always trying to, to get that next thing because like Jesus says you're going to forfeit your life. Counterintuitively, those who give up their life, those who maybe have a voluntary action undertaken for others, they don't lose their life, they gain it. This is not the wisdom of the world, this is the wisdom of the cross, which is really, really hard for us to understand. But this is, this is what Jesus did. Now, we're not here yet. yet. Not, we're not to Easter, but on the other side of this redemptive action for others is resurrection. That regardless of, of what we might do, regardless of how we might suffer, remember how we, how we might live selflessly for others, on the other side of that, even if it looks like we have failed and failed spectacularly or miserably, or we, it seems like we have wasted our life, on the other side, God vindicates us in resurrection. I, I think the question for us is, well, who do you say that I am? Uh, that Jesus asks us that question. 
and we answer, you're, you're the Messiah. And, and we hope that we begin to truly understand who that is. And, and during the season of Lent, we not only like ask ourselves and discover who Jesus is. I mean, like that's kind of our whole purpose. I think we could spend a lot of time, our whole lives, trying to figure out who Jesus is because we're, we're kind of dumb and stubborn. But we have to ask ourselves this other question then too. Who am I? What is my identity? Who have I allowed to shape who I am as a person? See, I think, I think Lent is a time where we ask ourselves, who am I in the light of who Christ is? Am I like Christ in my, my love for others? Am I like Christ in my service towards others? Am I like Christ in my sacrifice undertaken for others so that they might have life? We ask ourselves those questions. And if we say, no, we're not like Christ, then we confess. We say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to be who I am because of who you are. Help my identity not to be shaped by all the world around me, but to be shaped by the God who is all-powerful and big and great, but who came down in the form of a little baby. At a time in history when things were not great, who, who suffered in countless ways, who grew up and was sinless, but, well, that he undertook a painful redemptive action voluntarily for our behalf. Uh, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper, actually. First time in a while. And I, and I think this is, this is an important, important meal to do here and now because... Well, who do you say that I am? And the church's confession is always the crucified yet resurrected Christ. Uh, The one who is in his very core selfless and loving. And as we come to this table, I'll give you instructions in a second, we come asking ourselves, who am I in the light of who Christ is? And we come confessing that we are not always like Christ has, has called us to be, what Christ is making us into being. And, and as we, we receive this meal, a little wafer that's in there, and a little bit of juice, that this meal might be not just a reminder of what Christ has done, who Christ is, but that it might be nourishment so that you and I can go out and be like Christ in the world in loving and self-sacrificial kinds of ways. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.